Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast, and welcome back, and happy New Year to everybody. And so yeah, we're gonna start season four, I guess. Yeah, this will be the fourth year that I'm going to be doing this podcast, which is kind of incredible <laughs> to say the least. But yeah, thank you again for all your continued support. But let's get right to it. So on this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes two or three forty through three forty two. Which will cover manga chapters four forty five through four forty eight, and yeah, the last episode of last year we got a taste of the new arc thriller bark, and now we're going to be diving further into it and continuing the story. So the synopsis: Nami, Usopp, and Chopper continue their tour of thriller bark, but are left to fend for themselves against the horrors awaiting them on the island as they try to find safety in Doctor Hogback's mansion. Meanwhile, the remaining straw has decided to go after the three to rescue them and make their way onto the island as well. But they come upon the same horrors, but from a very different perspective. So, in terms of differences, there are a decent number of them here. So, first off, when Usopp asks Hogback about Brook, we get a few snapshots of Hogback's memories of Brook, and sort of the shot of Brook from the opening, which are not in the manga. And it's just sort of inferred that、uh, Hogback remembers Brook. Another thing is when Luffy and Frankie catch the unicorn and the talking tree.、Uh, in the anime, we see them actually using their attacks, whereas in the manga, the panel just immediately cuts to them already having grabbed them. And so the manga doesn't actually show them physically going after the, those two creatures to actually capture them. So it is kind of nice to see a little bit more in the anime of that. And speaking of the anime, in in the anime we get an outline of what Absalom looks like, whereas in the manga Hogback is just kind of talking to thin air, and so we don't quite actually even see his silhouette at that point when they first sort of have their、uh, secret meeting outside of the mansion. And then during the scene where Nami Usopp Chopper are discussing whether Doctor Hogback is a bad guy, a few extra lines of dialogue are actually added in the anime where Nami fires back. That all the evidence points to him being bad, and then Usopp saying their conversation is getting scary. Then Chopper saying, "Let me talk to Doctor Hogback. Is that acceptable?" However, in the manga, it just goes from Chopper yelling at them, saying Hogback would never do bad things, to the next panel where Nami is sort of staring back at that painting, lamenting, "Yeah, this is all just gut instinct at this point." In response to Chopper. And saying that Nami has no evidence that he is actually a bad guy, so there is actually a lot more back and forth between Nami and Chopper during this moment at, while they're sort of hiding in the hallway. And then, lastly, in the scene just before running into the negative ghosts, in the anime we're treated to some more of Luffy's great singing, <laughs> which is always a welcome addition. All right, so let's get into the episodes themselves. So picking up where we left off, Hilden the Bat guy is ex- escorting the trio Nami, Chopper, and Usopp to his mansion for safety, allegedly. On the ride, we get a little bit more information on this famous Doctor Hogback from Chopper, who seems to admire this person greatly. But at the height of his prominence, he mysteriously disappeared, fading into legend. But it just so happens that this man is on this island. Which to me was already not a great sign, as that could only really mean two things. He's either a captive, you know, being made to work against his will, or he's actually part of the villains, which is where my mind immediately went to. 
Nami, being the observant one, notices all the random and weird creatures so far. And the moment she sees this lion with a human face, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious when she pours the wine all over Chopper in fear. And although I have to say this moment is funny in the anime, but for some reason the manga panel of this is incredibly funny because it freeze frames on the moment the wine splashes, splashes on Chopper's face, and it just looks even more ridiculous. Also, pay attention to this、uh, lion face because it kind of. Comes back in a, in a really minor way later on with another character. But we'll talk about that more probably on the next podcast. One of the great things about this entire arc and its sort of theming of, of horror and Halloween is that Oda gets to really flex his creativity and weird character designs with all these like weird monsters and creatures everywhere. Also worth noting, the name of the island and arc, Thriller Bark. Obviously, refers to the general emotion and genre of thrillers, which you know, are usually like, associated with horror movies. But seeing as how Oda is a Michael Jackson fan, if you remember to、um, Django and everything, this, this、um, whole thing could also be a slight reference to his famous song and music video, Thriller. The bark part actually,、uh, apparently comes from the style of ship having three or more masts, which we later see that it does have three massive masts. So, It's kind of a mashup between thriller and then obviously this, the style of boat it is, which is a bark.、Um, I thought that was really interesting. And this is something I didn't actually learn until I did some research for this podcast. Obviously, I knew about the thriller and Michael Jackson connection, but I didn't realize the bark actually had a meaning behind it. I just assumed it was more like bark as in like dog. <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know what I thought originally, but that's just what it was in my head. Especially since the first thing you really see is a Cerberus. But we get to see even more of these insane character designs when all three of them look out the window to check the lion Nami claims to have seen. But then they see a deluge of random, horrific, yet ridiculous looking creatures like a zombie tree, ghosts, and various weird animals that have sort of been mishmashed in that sort of that Franken style that the Cerberus was. However, after seeing this, they all decide they want to go back to the coast. But it's too late as they get stranded in a graveyard. And of course, everyone knows what's coming at this point a zombie attack. And credit to Oda, he actually does make this moment kind of scary, but he also uses every cliche and trope at his disposal and subverts them in, in really funny ways. Like being bitten by a zombie doesn't really seem to do anything, or the zombie's fear of fire being insanely effective. <laughs> Also, the fact that the zombies aren't completely mindless either, as they seem to speak and think, as well as them having some modicum of manners by thanking each other. Like when one of the zombies picks up another head for the other. <laughs> It's like,、uh, you know, they're also incredibly super fast for zombies, too. Like even faster than like the 28 Days Later type of zombies. But then follow that revelation up with them having insanely low <laughs> endurance. Which they get really tired after, like, just a short sprint, which kind of makes sense since their zombie bodies probably don't have working lungs or very, like, conditioned muscles. I mean, it is, it's really, it's really interesting how Oda actually, like, injects all this, like, yeah, this is what you would think when you really stop to, like, really consider how zombies work, but he implements them all in such comedic ways. They eventually do make it to Hogback's mansion, which is clearly modeled after the, the Notre Dame Cathedral. And we're then introduced to Sindri, 
a woman that appears to be a zombie, but not quite, as she seems to have an extreme prejudice towards Usopp, as she immediately just starts hurling plates and saucers at him. And I would say, as ridiculous and sort of random uh, Sindri's backstory is, keep this in the back of your mind, as this becomes pretty important later on. Then we're finally introduced to the famous Dr. Hogback, who is not at all how I thought he'd look, especially with that weird silhouette we got earlier. But by now, I mean, you should know never to trust Oda's initial pre-intro silhouettes, as they're almost always way off from the final design. But yeah, for an esteemed medical physician, he's wearing like this full fishnet stockings outfit with like a feather boa, almost like something you'd see out of a Rocky Picture Horror Story show, or a Rocky Picture Horror Show, um, which Oda is also a fan of, um, which you will see later on, uh, much, much later on. He goes on to explain that he's on this island to research zombies, but that seems incredibly suspicious, especially his extreme reaction around the secrecy of his lab, as well as he's clearly lying about not knowing who Brooke is. Also, Hogback is the latest character to have a trademark One Piece laugh with his which is probably one of the more annoying ones, um, in my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of this laugh, but it suits him really well. It always made me feel so bad for Chopper, though, seeing his sort of childlike idolization for Dr. Hogback, when you know in your gut that this guy was going to be a bad guy. Like, it's pretty clear. And, And sort of, you know, a case of don't meet your heroes type of situation, which is too bad for Chopper. I also love that little joke about Sindri hating plates so much she refuses to serve food on them. <laughs> she just plops a custard pudding right on the table. But this joke goes one step further as everyone but Nami starts to eat the pudding, but they eat it off the table with their faces. With Nami exasperatedly yelling at them, you're still allowed to use spoons, right? And this for some reason cracks me up so much as you hear them just sort of lap up the pudding hunched over the table (laughs) oh man that scene kills me every time but we go from one really great scene to the next scene where nami is showering is one of those scenes that i've never really liked because uh i mean first off i'm just not a big fan of like just blatant fan service but this scene is just problematic on so many other levels too Like, I did chuckle at that joke where Usopp thought Chopper wanted to see Nami naked, but it turns out Chopper was talking about Hogback's lab and mentions he has no attraction to humans, which brings up the question, can Chopper ever find love? Like, he's kind of a -a one-of-a-kind type of being, and and I suppose he could meet, like, a female reindeer, but they'd never be able to talk or really interact with him. And, yeah, these are kind of random nerdy thoughts that come across my mind when really diving into One Piece. But anyways, that's a whole separate issue. But, yeah, this scene is problematic because Nami gets assaulted by that weird invisible beast that first assaulted Robin back on the Sunny. And this scene is pretty bad, especially for the demographic of young boys this is targeted at. I know it's framed as a bad thing, but you're basically showing Nami being sexually assaulted. And... Even when I was younger, this scene was uncomfortable, even all the way back then, and it still is to this day. What doesn't help is Usopp's ridiculous reaction to Nami naked by thanking her. It's just so stupid and really inappropriate. And I just, 
I just never liked sort of the icky rapiness of this situ- you know, this scene. And even if it was being perpetrated by the bad guys, which it is, and, and nothing of real consequence happens, it's just that this... And that's the thing, this inconsequentiality of this scene, it makes it this whole scene unnecessary. And, and Oda could have just revealed Hogback, you know, is on to their plans of kind of sneaking away in a different way. And sadly, though, the uncomfortable story surrounding this invincible character kind of keeps going throughout this arc, which we'll discuss as we go through it. But luckily, this particular scene was short. But sadly, there is more problematic nature when it comes to this invisible character. Anywho, moving on, getting back to the others on the Sunny as they're getting ready to go explore Thriller Bark, the level-headed one points out that it's stupid to just traipse into an island that's pretty much inviting them into a trap. And like always, he's the one that stays behind, which is Zoro, to guard the ship, but Luffy convinces him to come along. And one thing that always kind of brings a smile to my face about this scene is the little detail about how you can tell that Luffy really wants Zoro to come and be there with him because he actually offers him part of his bento lunch, which you know is a big deal since Luffy does not share food lightly, which is a cute little character detail about how he, yeah, it's just like Luffy is a little kid that wanted his best friend to come with him on a fun little excursion around this mysterious island. Like, I really like that aspect of Luffy and Zoro, and it's just a nice character moment that kind of gets lost a little bit, but yeah, I, I really like that little detail. Okay, so this next section is probably one of the best and coolest parts of Thriller Bark, as we see the overpowered members of the Straw Hats experience the same gauntlet that the Cowardly Trio had to face earlier, and the way this is all framed could not be any more different, even though they both experienced the same things. The first time it was this tension-filled, scary tone with the Cowardly Trio. But with this group, it's like the ultimate power fantasy, seeing these strongest characters. I mean, not just the the Monster Trio, but add, the, add Frankie and Robin to the Monster Trio. Just seeing this group stomp their way through all that scary stuff like it's nothing is really satisfying to watch. And it's really fun, too. And that's great writing by Oda here to first expose us to Thriller Bark through the eyes of the weaker members, then through the eyes of the stronger ones. That sort of juxtaposition makes this overpowered run even more satisfying because we know how scary it can be from like a normal person's point of view, but seeing it from the monster trio plus Robin and Frankie's point of views makes it like such a satisfying power fantasy. And obviously the first thing that they encounter is the Cerberus, being scared of the five of them this time, and eventually being tamed by Luffy, although the way Luffy tames it is nothing short of gut-bustingly hilarious to me. Luffy tries to be gentle with it, and it immediately chomps down on Luffy, but Luffy unfazed, even with his head inside the Cerberus' mouth. The fact that he's still talking in sort of that soothing, calm voice, but once it releases him, Luffy just smacks his way into the wall and says down (laughs) and i love seeing all their personalities come out as they just sort of converse about their experiences and observations while they're walking through thriller bark you really get a sense of who each one of these people are and from there it just gets even funnier when they come across those creepy ass animals and the living tree that we saw earlier as they get interrupted while the zombie unicorn and the living tree are sort of sharing a drink and this moment is so funny as they get found in mid while Luffy is just in absolute awe of what he's witnessing, 
Luffy and Frankie immediately start chasing them as the two creatures inversely are now fleeing for their lives instead of being the ones that are doing the scaring. And <laughs> just seeing them just run away scared is enough to just make you laugh. But then just the exuberance that Luffy and Frankie <laughs> display here is just hilarious too. But not only that, but playing off of the original joke of Luffy just sort of randomly inviting Brooke immediately, he tries to invite these two creatures, but gets immediately shut down by Sanji and Zoro, both scolding him and yelling at Fusaken now, or cut it out. From there, the story goes back to the Cowardly Trio, which they make it back down to the dining area where Hilden shows up again, but this time, everything in the dining area starts to attack them. And I gotta say, the way the moment the the where the woman painting attacks Chopper is depicted in the manga is way more funny and scarily drawn. It's almost like Oda meant this moment to be a jump scare, but the anime, for some reason, animates this in in a way where it's really slow that builds no anticipation or anything, and it doesn't look scary at all. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't elicit any emotions, really, which is kind of disappointing with how good the art is in the manga for this particular scene. They start to get attacked by a bunch of zombies and zombie furniture all over the castle in some reverse Beauty and the Beast type scenario, but they're luckily saved by a secret doorway and find their way into a creepy room filled with photos of Sindri. But they seem to be when she was still alive. And upon learning this fact, it becomes clear to them that what they've been encountering are in fact real zombies as Sindri has been shown to have died a while ago. I mean, it's pretty easy to see what this room is. Hogback had like a stalker level crush on this famous actress who somehow got a hold of her body and reanimated her because he wanted her back so much. We then get a mysterious slash newish character as a new zombie appears to be tracking Nami and the rest of them. What's strange is he has Brooke's voice and trademark laugh that yo ho 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 but it looks nothing like him as he's got no afro and is dressed like a feudal Japanese samurai. We'll have to keep an eye out on that. Although in the manga, this moment is left even more ambiguous as we don't get to see the top of his head. So we can't quite see the top of the, the head, which obviously would show the afro. And, and it's just really a, a far shot of the silhouette of him. So, yeah, making sort of that Afro confirmation unavailable in the manga. They even try to play this up later on when this character catches Nami, Chopper, and Usopp spying on Hogback. Once we're back with the overpowered group outside, we get some more fun exchanges between this unique combination of characters. Sanji and Frankie particularly were fun, where Frankie gets offended being called a robot when he's a cyborg, but then is flattered when he's called a pervert. Also retreated to more Luffy singing, just like back on Skypea, which is fun. But not before too long, though, they're attacked by actual ghosts. They can't seem to be hit with physical attacks, and the funniest part has got to be this sort of negative effect that they have on whoever touches them or whenever the ghosts fly through them. It's particularly hilarious seeing Luffy and Zoro doubled over in utter self-pity, especially after Zoro sort of just shames them for not having a strong enough will. And the director does a good job of holding the beat just long enough to make you think, maybe Zoro can withstand the negativity, but nope. (laughs) He just doubles over and says, sorry for existing, (laughs) which Sanji mocks him mercilessly for the rest of the episode. 
Robin quickly does deduce just how much of a threat these things can be if they're if they had any real ill will. And she's right. These things reduce two of our strongest straw hats to nothing. I'm sure there's a weakness, but I did really like the the scene of Sanji mocking Zoro for his susceptibility to the ghosts. But the best part is if you pay attention, all three Cerberus dogs are laughing and mocking Zoro as well, all right along with Sanji. And then we finally arrive at my favorite joke in all of One Piece. I know this is a really random place to have that come up. But to this day, this has got to be the best joke in all of One Piece, in my personal opinion. And I, I have no idea, but it's just hilarious, genius, subverts all expectations. And it's just so fitting of the characters. So the scene is... They happen upon the same cemetery that the Cowardly Trio were abandoned in the first place. And the first thing Luffy mentions is that he feels like this is a great place to set up lunch, which is seems like a dreadful idea to set up lunch at a graveyard. But <laughs> Sanchi and Luffy are arguing that having lunch in a place like this will make the food taste worse. A zombie starts to moan and rise out of the grave. And they all just kind of stare in curiosity then with a blank stare, Luffy just drops his bug net and calmly walks over, gently puts his hands on the zombie and pushes him back into its grave. And the zombie, obviously confused and pissed, pops right back out and yells at Luffy, I'm not going back down! Are you stupid? But but first off, the way the zombie says it also adds to the comedy, as for some reason, this zombie also has like its own comedic timing with with him saying this line in sort of a Kansai dialect from, for some reason, which a dialect is, you know, often spoken on the west side of Japan near like Osaka and Kyoto. He yells out, Kaeru ka! Ahondara! Which makes it even funnier because it's it's got this, you know, unu- not unusual, but but unique accent coming from a zombie that you wouldn't expect. And my favorite part about this bit is just how calm and gentle Luffy is. Especially the way he just says, Yosh, yosh, as he gently pushes the zombie back down. And usually that's something you're trying to say when you're comforting or soothing something like a baby or a pet. And I swear, on a yearly basis, I come back to YouTube just to watch this scene every now and then because it never fails to get a laugh out of me. It's so damn funny. I don't know why it's it's there's nothing really all that clever about this joke but just the way everything is portrayed is so funny from Luffy's blank and calm stare him just casually dropping the net and then <laughs> I, I think it, it really is just Luffy sort of like gingerly pushing the zombie back down as if that's where the its place is supposed to be <laughs> with like no outside thought whatsoever to it. Anyway, as if that wasn't enough, Luffy's response is the cherry on top as he mistakes the zombie for a gravely injured old man. (laughs) That's enough to get the other zombies all pissed off. And then this is where the fun begins, where the zombies one by one start springing out of the ground. But the third zombie that comes out is just so random. (laughs) As this one comes spinning out with this sort of martial art style scream, which is usually a trademark of Bruce Lee that... It's just like, what? But anyways, that's where these episodes end on sort of a double cliffhanger. 
of the weird samurai zombie version of Brooke discovering Nami, Usopp, and Chopper creeping on Hogback's lab, as well as sort of the zombie army attacking the other Straw Hats, which will no doubt end in a massive beatdown by Luffy and the others. But it'll be interesting to see who or what this samurai zombie guy is, because it doesn't appear to be Brooke, but he sounds exactly like him. Anyways, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or a comment, and if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Cinego Podcast for updates of new episodes, or if you want to see pictures of my manga collection. I've also been streaming on Twitch, so if you want to come chat or watch me play games, I'd be happy to see you at twitch.tv slash sunny underscore underscore go. That's sunny two underscores G-O. And as always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. No spoiler section on this episode. So yeah, just stay, out, stay, uh, stay safe out there, and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye.